Welcome to the Summit Series Day 1 podcast where we talk about the stories and journeys of companies and founders that Elevation is partnering with. I am Shitaj and I focus on crypto and fintech investments at Elevation and our guest for today's episode is Sharan, founder and CEO of Brine. Thank you for coming on board Sharan. Very excited to have you here for my first episode of this podcast. Yeah, thank you so much Shitaj for welcoming Awesome. Before we begin, let me just start by giving a brief overview of what Brian does for our listeners. At a high level, Brian is one of the first cross-chain order book-based decentralized exchanges in the world, building on the Starkware ecosystem. Brian provides an experience similar to a centralized exchange for users and is built for scale. Incidentally, we were the first investors in Brian and led their seed back in mid-2021, which was a 1.8 million round. Back then, Brian wasn't even Brian. They were building the earlier avatar of Let's Crypto, which was a 0% commission centralized crypto exchange. Even back then, we were very impressed by Sharan and the team's deep technical and product skills at a very young age. Sharan, you were what, 21 years old then? I think 20. (laughs) Yeah. And additionally, what stood out to us was Let's Crypto's impressive growth in very few months of launch, going from zero to 100,000 in monthly active users, as well as around 150 million in traded volume when we invested. Since then, the team has pivoted to Brian Finance, a cross-chain decentralized exchange, currently in testnet, but about to launch mainnet in a couple of days. Exciting times lie ahead for you, Sharan. (laughs) Certainly does, yeah. Great. Brian's testnet has shown amazing initial metrics as well, scaling up to 42,000 users and with more than $520 million volume in traded volume so far. And Sharan and team's relentless focus on building world-class tech and product continues to excite us a lot. And we are very fortunate to be long-term partners with Brian. Of course. Thanks for coming, Sharan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Atej. Yeah. Awesome. So let's dive in. I think what would be great to start with is just your background, right? You've been involved in crypto since a very young age. Maybe talk us through what got you into crypto and how has the journey been for you so far? So, yeah, I mean, like with respect to me from, I think around 13, 14 years itself, I was pretty much into security a lot. And because of my interest in security and distributed computing, I was pretty fond of cryptography and other related domains. And that was the major reason why I got into blockchain. Ever since then, I've been contributing to multiple projects out there, projects like PTO, then the Stellar ecosystem, then the Ethereum ecosystem, Solidity and a couple of others. And I think I love to innovate new, new things. So I've always been going around uh, to hackathons all across the group. And if you see, there is always, even if you take today, for instance, there will at least be 10 hackathons out there happening out there in the world blockchain relatedly. So because of this, I used to go to a lot of hackathons, uh, especially in the blockchain stream and used to win. I think till now I've won like 90 plus hackathons all across the globe. So I used to work with Stellar Group, won the Stellar Meridian and Genesis Blockchain Award, then spent a couple of my days at Howard where I worked on a blockchain-based only avionic system. And for that, was we were also awarded. And then was an award at TechCrunch. And so it, it just like went across like that. And because of all of these things, I used to have a lot of cryptocurrencies at my hand. And my mom, you know, always used to market me saying that, Sharon, are you trying to become a dark lord in the dark <laughs> web? You're having this much amount of cryptocurrencies. So because of all of these things, I was, you know, like wanting to prove my mom saying that, you know, I can pay with cryptocurrencies in any shop in India. Right. So I moved to 
this app and I showed my mom, see, I can do it. And I went across and just bought some things with crypto. And that was just like a start of crypto. I initially built it just for me, but accidentally within a month, we had over 50,000 users and the scale was enormous. Wow. And this is just for context for everyone listening. This is the crypto pay product along with the exchange that you'd built earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So this was majorly how it started. And since for this thing, we needed KYCs and all the bits and pieces across that, we wanted to make it, uh, we were forced to make it a centralized exchange. But our entire philosophy behind building was around building a decentralized exchange. But because of having the necessary to, you know, like have the KYCs and other things, we actually just went across and just made a centralized exchange. And even today, the centralized exchange has been doing enormously well. I think we have done currently over 600 to $700 million in volumes and increased the user base to over a million users and more. So it has been extremely well going on in over there. But, you know, like back at our head, there was always this point, which was like, Sharon, your vision is different. You know, like you have to right, go right. find that, build something completely decent. So. That was That's actually quite good. interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting journey, Sharon, for someone who's so young, I think very unique and quite deep. But actually that the last point that you mentioned, I think is a nice segue into the next question, right? Which is just, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs listening to the podcast, it would be helpful if you talk about how you knew when the right time was to pivot away from Let's Crypto and then, you know, how you identify the opportunity to build Prime. So the main thing that we have to see when building a product is the market. When I initially started crypto, there was a market just booming up. There was not enough users in India and the CAC or the customer acquisition cost per user was extremely low. Like you just tell them they want, everybody wanted to buy a Bitcoin and nobody had access to buy a Bitcoin. So right. the first was to build something so that people can be on board to buy those Bitcoins, Ethereum or whatsoever currency they require. But around December, we actually saw a great spike in the number of users because of all the crypto hype that was going on over there. This and is December was, last year, right? Exactly. 2021 right. December. Now, that is exactly a time where there is a perfect market. And then there comes the fear in the market because all of these exchanges are centralized and there is no regulatory body behind it. So what happens or who checks whether the exchanges have the right liquidity on their hand? And I mean, like favorably, there has been multiple cases where today a lot of exchanges have been liquidated and these are like in billions and trillions of dollars. So this gave us a great, great story to build on top of. So back at December, we were like, you know, like thinking that, you know, like these things would happen because there is no regulation and there will be some people like this in the market where the market will take a turn. And since we forecasted that, uh, we started building Brian back from December, wanting Mm -hmm. to give the users a seamless experience, just like how, what they're, I mean, like having it now. We wanted to, you know, like be the bridge between the Web2 and the Web3 world and take them seamlessly into the Web3 world and take them over there without even them realizing that they are using Web3. So because of this... Just as you bring that point, Sharan, I think would be good to emphasize what's special about Brian as a decentralized exchange because I'm sure a lot of listeners know what a decentralized exchange is but are not able to appreciate what Brian is about. So maybe that would be good to also talk about as you go deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So especially Brian, as mentioned, we want to make it completely accessible. 
and accessible is the key thing that we are solving for. If you go about using Uniswap or any other decentralized exchange out that's out there, you might probably end up paying $20, $25 every transaction. And this is not a mistake of uh, Uniswap, but it's because of the reason that it's on L1. And apart from that, there is also a lot of traders like, you know, DGEN traders who maintain balances across different, different chains. Like, let's say I might have $100 in, uh, like, let's say the Binance chain, and I might have another $100 on the Polygon chain. But the coin I want to buy might be on the Ethereum chain, and I want to buy for $200. If that is the case, I need to first bridge all the coins into the Ethereum side, and then again go about purchasing it from there. Now, this is a very, very not only a lengthy process, but also a pretty expensive process. And that's where Brian becomes extremely beneficial for users. So they don't have to worry about all of these multiple chains of movements, bridges, and all of those things. We make sure you are able to get your coins at the best price at the least time without any kind of gas fee being like, you know, spent. So that's majorly what we are solving for. We want to make that accessibility and easeability right there put into your plate and that's what brian is all about amazing amazing so completely building the experience of a centralized exchange in a decentralized manner for the users right exactly your keys are always with you we don't touch it amazing and also i think another important point to really touch upon is like this has really stood out with you as a founder and obviously the team that you've built around you but just for a product like brian the tech behind powering the decks is very non-trivial and is very, very important to get right, to handle scale, to ensure a very frictionless journey for the user cross-chain, protect against any form of exploits. So talk us through your ramp up in this whole ZK and Starkware world and also how you build your confidence on your tech. So let's just start from the basics. There is two ways to scale a blockchain. The first thing is like, let's say Ethereum has this gas limit or the block size. Let's take the block size. So in case if I increase the block size, that means I can put more transactions into it. So I have scaled the Ethereum blockchain. Now, the problem here is that when I, you know, like go about increasing the block size, then the amount of computation that I require to, you know, like completely go around uh, fulfilling this block size would be much higher. So in case if you were initially running on a 12 GB RAM device, uh, you might probably need a much larger device, maybe like let's say a 50 GB RAM or um, some extremely high computational uh, CPU usage device or something like that. Now, the problem is that in case if we go around increasing the block size and making it more transactionally challenging, what happens is that I may not be able to run this specified machine or this specified computation on my laptop. So that is where the problem comes. And when that is not possible, then the number of people who would be involved in running these machines would be extremely low. So it's all about like these uh, small number of highly performant computational engines running the blockchain. And, and do we necessarily go about calling this a blockchain which is completely decentralized and completely people-owned? It's truly not. So there is this latter form of, you know, like blockchain scaling, which is like using cryptography or zero knowledge. Now, the ethos of cryptography is that even if the entire, let's say like the banking network, right, they process so many transactions every second, even that amount of transactions being transferred every second for a historical basis, a small Raspberry Pi kind of a hardware should be able to tell 
if they are doing the transactions rightly or wrong. And that's immediately how cryptography is extremely performant. And in case if you ask, have I used cryptography before? Everybody in this world are using cryptography before. If you're downloading a software that's like, let's say many people play a lot of games. I mean, in case if you are playing GTA 5 or probably something like that, there is this, you know, like some key which hash which they give you which is basically used to verify if the game you downloaded was actually you know like indeed without any there is no corrupt data inside or glitch or something so it tells you verify the entire data but if you ask me how long does it take to verify this complete game it takes less than a second to verify this complete game complete now i'm on 66 gb of data it takes a second to verify and that is the power of cryptography and it can do even even much more and that is what amazed me on ZK Tech. The thing to, you know, like verify large sums of data, which is the biggest problem in today's world. Like I'm not able to verify data. Like what you're seeing out there, you're not able to verify it. And that's the major reason why we started with ZK. And Starkware seemed as a great option to build on top because, you know, like you don't have to ultimately work on the math behind ZK. But for developers, it's extremely, you know, like performant, even though the language that Cairo is a little bit steep yeah. <laughs> learn, but, you know, like still, it's pretty uh, interesting and very, very easy to learn uh, than to understand the math behind it. So I think that was the reason why we went with ZK. It has been extremely performing well for us. And I think we have done over in the testnet itself 1.64 million orders we have processed and Amazing. this is just like a two weeks of testing being online and we have done over 400,000 trades. So I think uh, the systems are extremely scalable. Awesome. That's amazing to hear uh, that whole journey and how you thought about this and approach this whole thing, right? I think just on the same vein of mentioning how the testnet is progressing, I think another crucial aspect of for a founder in crypto is to also build a community around their products, especially decentralized products, right? How have you been able to bootstrap this so far? You've almost reached around 18,000 followers on Twitter, almost 14,000 members on Discord. And as you said, within two weeks of testnet launch, we've been able to scale up so much. So what are some of the lessons you can share here for other founders listening to this? So whenever a Web3 company is built, community is much rather more and more important than even the tech, to be honest. Right. We were initially, you know, like we were completely tech focusing. We didn't have any focus on the community side. In fact, till, I mean, I think May, June, our community play was literally zero. We had less than 1,000, 2,000 followers and less than 900 members on Discord. So that's what we were. But after some time, we realized that, you know, like community is a much, much important role. And because, I mean, it's majorly the regions who would be using the project or the product initially and we can't directly go to the market and you know like go about getting all the users there so in order for us to make that happen we had to focus on community somewhere or the other and there were many people suggesting that you know like you just buy followers you just put them they, it will just uh, show that your project but it pretty much evidently shows in the project like you have eighty thousand followers and you put a tweet maximum 10 people 20 people would like that I mean, yeah. that's not a community. That's basically an incentivized community or probably like a monetarily incentivized community. So what is the other best ways was to, you know, like give users some challenges, telling users what they need to do in order to get what they want. So when we initially started, we 
went about contacting other projects in the ecosystem and did a lot of activities with all of these people. And apart from that, we also contacted some KOLs, key industry leaders. So we went to them and we asked them to, you know, like give a shout out to the project. So that's how the initial like number of followers increased for us. And after that, what we did was, so these followers are extremely quality followers. So we actually kept a note of all of these folks. And after that, what we started was we told these of our followers to go about doing some certain quests that can give them some points to, you know, like access the early testnet access, early mainnet access, or giving them some kind of swags, like give them a socks, give them like something that makes them feel special. So that's what we did. Uh, we gave some people some NFTs and other things which could incentivize them. And sooner or later, within a week, the community just bombed. I mean, like there was insane growth. And yeah, yeah, 20,000, nearly 20,000 followers and 20,000 on Discord, extremely active. And if you see our engagements per post, we get over 80,000, I think, sorry, 60,000 impressions. So that's extremely high. And that's how we have been able to, you know, like increase the throughput of the communities. And yeah, I mean, like there has been multiple solutions and multiple other projects which we have used in order to grow our community. But yeah, I mean, like it has all been a great journey so far. Awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. I'm sure there's a lot to learn for lot of people listening to this on just bootstrapping a community in such a short time. And I remember the number of weekly calls we've had on hiring people, thinking of solutions to bootstrap our community. So I'm glad that everything's coming together well right now as we're gearing up for mainnet. Awesome. I think what would be interesting to also talk about is just what's the roadmap for Brian going ahead and what excites you over the next few years? I think there is always places where we can do better. In case today, if we can match probably 100,000 orders every second, tomorrow let's try to do a million orders per second. And the more number of TPS we are able to do, the more number of people that can come up and use our platform as an infrastructure. Tomorrow, let's say XYZ Exchange wants to develop a decentralized exchange. They don't need to specifically go about building a decentralized exchange of their own. They can just use us as a service and just go about building their own exchanges or probably some websites want to put an exchange simply or, or some games want to change the coins from this to this they can use our website so i mean that infrastructural play is what is more appetizing to us and that's what we'll be focusing on the years coming forward but as of today we want to show how much of an amazing product it is to the customers and users directly and later we can start thinking about this and also like apart from this there is also multiple things presently if you see we are running on an 18 cluster centrally hosted matching engine which means that the entire matching of one order and another order happens in our systems but tomorrow we want to actually go about decentralizing this what if uh, shittish can host probably a one instance of it or xyz can host three instances of it so that's majorly what we are uh, going about because every decentralized company starts with a little bit of centralization there because right at day one, nobody has all the nodes hosted by every other third party. So that's majorly where we are also starting at. And as we go across, we would be, you know, like anybody can come and open their clusters and we would slowly start pulling out our clusters from the game. 
so that it's you know even more reliable and even even more decentralized so tomorrow if the government asks us to you know like plug out even if we plug out there are so many instances of our, our engine running that would be truly unstoppable so that's majorly what the vision is at and that's where we would be focusing towards awesome yeah i think that key is sort of decentralizing progressively over time makes a lot of sense and yeah. that's a journey a lot of even more scaled up protocols are followed great and just to conclude i think the one last question i would want to ask you is if there's a crypto founder starting up today what are the kind of lessons you would want to share with them based on your journey so far so the first thing would be to like anything in crypto they first need to build the community and to be very honest we haven't spent any money on building the community so right. once a person can actually go about building the community they can reach to like the best of the crypto funds like elevation pantera and all, all the other folks and especially to say i mean like right from very long time we have been in elevations support so it has been extremely amazing and the opinions and i think we have at least two calls every week or much more than that sometimes where i go ping multiple other people apart from shitej because pass and all the other folks in elevation and they've been extremely you know like friendly and there have also been cases where we have done some mistakes and we were like quite reluctant to say oh my god we did this what would be the outcome would, would this make them tensed or something and the way how you guys have handled it has been extremely amazing so i would surely give a great hats off for that thing and i would surely recommend yeah i mean like any other founder who is raising to i mean like to be very very specific on the vcs whom they are choosing because right. uh, these are not partners for tomorrow or day after but probably for the next tens of years of days of the platform so i think that is the most important key for any project it's not only about like starting the community but also about finding the best vc to support them and apart from that then it's majorly about building the right tech and solving for the right problem at the right time because timing is the most important if i took the decentralized exchange and marketed it back in like 2021 january february i might not even have a single traction on it but today there is a hell lot of traction because there are so many centralized exchanges where you cannot properly trade and you need to go to a decentralized exchange to trade without so and so's of the world so this friction is there which we are making frictionless so there is an actual purpose for the project so that is majorly what is essential and uh, also like a very good vision of what we are going to do on the next forthcoming years that is also pretty important because in crypto every month is a year and <laughs> yeah. every year is a decade so the innovations are extremely high so we always need to forecast what would happen tomorrow and have to build the products side by side so that it will you know like compose as one proper ecosystem so i think these are some things and there are a lot more things but yeah, yeah. I, i'd just like to stop it over here awesome charan no these are some really valuable sort of takeaways for many people listening so thank you for sharing that it's been a privilege working with you so far over a year and a half and i look forward to the next decade of working together with prime and seeing how this really scales up and takes like sees global scale going ahead thank you so much sharan for doing this this has been an amazing conversation thank you yeah thank you so much atish and for all the support you guys have been giving yeah <laughs> you're welcome thank you sharan